4: It's a tackle, watch out, burst of speed,
3: look at this freshman!
4: Welcome to the home of professional football, Canton, Ohio.
3: Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Travis May, and if you're joining us for the first time, College to Canton is a show where we talk about everything from college football recruiting, to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We always talk about some fantasy football, but we always make sure to dive into some real college football and NFL analysis too. And last week, I spent some time digging into the 50 or so players that I've highlighted in my NFL Prospects Weekly series and some of what goes into the weekly process for staying on top of prospect analysis. This week, I'm joined by a couple of special guests and fellow RotoViz contributors for the Fall 2020 NFL Prospect Rankings Summit. Now that we have seen, you know, all major conferences play except for the Pac 12, which isn't really a major conference anyway, uh, we wanted to give you all a, an update on our top 100 rankings for RotoViz and break down some of the top future NFL stars who are rising. But before we dive in, I must welcome my awesome guests. You've heard them here on the show before, and perhaps you follow along with their Road of His College football show, but Stéphane Laco at Stéphane Laco on Twitter and Matt Wispay at Wispy the Kid on Twitter. They are here again. going going to drop them in on the show here here and there just because I like talking to them. I like, well, mainly I just like hearing Matt talk. We just kind of listen, uh, but Stéphane, I'm sure you love that, that Pac-12 jab there, right?
1: I I almost lost my mind, but uh, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> it's easy, you know. Out of side, out of side, out of mind. I I know how it is. Once Oregon starts rolling, y'all will see the light, and uh, all of a sudden, DJ Verdell, Micah Pittman, y'all y'all will come around.
3: Okay, okay. Well, may, may, might come around in a couple of weeks, but we're not there yet. I, I'm not I'm not gonna get su- like super hype about the Pac-12, and but really though, they they did Oregon a favor with the schedule this year. Like they got what uh, their cross. Cross uh, divisional games or what? UCLA and somebody else. It, it's going to be a soft schedule, so they could go undefeated like down the stretch. So they might be the only good team to get excited about in the Pac-12 besides maybe USC. But Matt, you have to be excited about your Ohio State. Or sorry, how, how do you put that in a sentence? Like without using the word "the"? Like I'm not sure how to pro- properly use that in a sentence.
4: You're the Ohio State Buckeyes. You're the that. <laughs> no. That <just> sounds
3: ridiculous. <laughs> you're it, the Ohio no. State Buckeyes.
4: I'm actually not a big stickler for the "the," but I should be. Um, no, <laughs> okay. and then I mean, and you you talk about the gift of a schedule. Oregon, Oregon got uh, the biggest one. I mean, Oregon lost Ohio State off their schedule, which was an instant loss. Um, <laughs> oh, but. No, I, I mean I loved the first weekend of the Big 10 being back. I spent the entire 12 o'clock hour watching Ohio State. I I wasn't going to miss a second of that to switch to a different play. Yeah. But I mean, heck, Friday night was amazing. Uh yeah. I mean, I'll even say Michigan put together what was kind of a fun offense to watch so that it they wasn't did. grueling. Yeah. And then I mean,
3: Rutgers is back, baby. Um <laughs> Oh no. Yeah. I, I think that's a little early. They, all they did was play Michigan State. It's like, either way that game would have gone, it's like, okay, whatever, they beat so-and-so. But yeah, no, it's, it's great to have Ohio State back. My Purdue... Boilermakers actually got a win despite Rondell Moore being out, so really pumped to have the Big Ten back, but just want to highlight, uh, before we dive into the the ranking summit, and kind of highlight one player and kind of talk about him in the way that we will for the rest of the show here, and I've been doing this Man of the Hour segment on the show for a while now, uh, but this week's Man of the Hour is a Big Ten player, and that is Graham Mertz of Wisconsin, that Friday night game you just alluded to, Matt. I mean, 45-7 to seven or something against Illinois. I knew a lot of people were talking about how the 20-and-a-half the line was like, you know, people were laughing at that. Oh, that's easy money. Cash in and go 20-and-a-half Illinois, and they lost by 38 points. So not not a good look, really, for, for uh, Illinois out of the gate, but a really, really good look for Graham Mertz of Wisconsin. 248 passing yards, five touchdowns, and a, that's through the air, and then added a couple rushing yards as well. I mean, just just a year ago, he was getting hyped up in the preseason, and then Wisconsin decided to roll with Jack Cohn at quarterback. But now it seems like this kid that was hyped is the next coming of you know Russell Wilson or the, the best quarterback that Wisconsin's ever had, perhaps early on he's owning up to that, looking like that might be the case, really in his first significant action here. But Stefan, like, did you actually uh, catch some of that game, or are you excited about? what Mertz could be? Are you already kind of excited about him as an NFL prospect?
1: I mean, I think it's a little premature for that. The question I have is, did Jack Cone just lose his job? I I think he did. I think Mertz is now the guy and I'm sorry, Cone, you get to, you can pretend to be injured all year because Mertz is 95% (laughs) yeah. <laughs> I mean, he yeah. just was, he was balling. He, he looked great. I, I did watch the game. I, I didn't have any, any money on it, thankfully, because I would have been on the wrong side of it because right. I, I, I didn't think it would be a blowout, but he looked good. Uh, it's hard for me to get super, super, um, excited about a freshman quarterback after one game, but if he can keep this up throughout the season, uh, hello, I'll be, I'll be dipping in those, uh, in those waters.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And a 20, you mentioned a 20 of 21 passing, like with one in completion. I think he had what seventeen completed passes in a row uh, for somebody with almost no college experience. Uh, he looked like he was a veteran right away. So I know you guys jumped out and ranked him pretty highly. We kind of ha- the way we we put things together for our road of his rankings. For those not familiar uh, listening in, we kind of give these players a, uh, a scaled rating of like one to one hundred. Uh, players closer to ninety and eighty and seventy. Those are players that we're really kind of. We feel are are pretty sure, uh, surefire picks, especially once you get over 90. They're guys that could be first round NFL picks. Uh, but kind of going down the list, they're kind of uh, you know, players we might not be so sure about or plays, players that have shorter resumes but could rise into uh, upper tiers. And I, I kind of had him around 50. You guys had him in the 60s and early 70s and your rank, rankings. So there was quite a bit of disagreement right now. But I think that's just understood. That's going to be the case. Uh, Matt, you actually were the highest on, on, on Mertz and actually ranked him over some quarterbacks that have more significant resumes uh, for the 2022 NFL draft. I think you even put him up what about above like Dylan Gabriel right away. And what, what does he have to do for you? Again, it's early, but to get into the uh, quarterback one conversation or round one projections for not next year's NFL draft, but the 2022 NFL draft.
4: It's honestly just about time for him. How much playing time he's going to get. Did he Wally pip uh, Jack Conan? and it's, it's a wrap. He's the starting quarterback. Yeah. Um, if he keeps getting the starting job and he's a 65% completion. Plus, he's a 9.0 adjusted yards per attempt kind of guy. We see a little bit of rushing at him. I said it right after the game that I thought there will be a discussion between him, Slovis, Jaden Daniels, and Howell, I and Rattler. I don't. I don't think it's inconceivable that he's somehow the quarterback. One by the he forgot Tyler
3: Shuck. Yeah. <laughs> I
4: don't talk about backup quarterbacks. Get
3: off! Oh my um, I guess we'll have to get to that then. But no. <laughs> what, but I, I think
4: it's I think it's completely conceivable that he is the quarterback one at the end of next season. Honestly, if he puts together a year, I mean, for ninety five percent completion. But Pro Football Focus they looked at all of his passes and he was a hundred percent catchable passes in the game so it wasn't even like his one was a throwaway it was a catchable pass that just wasn't brought down so the only other person who puts up numbers like that is justin fields and we all know how i feel about him
1: it was also illinois though i mean let's let's not get too excited too fast i mean like i was like getting
4: gabriel does that against illinois and then we'll talk he dylan gabriel is has amazing talent and is really really good but dylan gabriel also He's, he's not doing that level of efficiency. It's just that he has the best deep ball in college football.
3: Are you saying that, that, uh, Illinois is better than, you know, like what half yes. the a half the A I don't think they are. I'm not At sure they the are
4: AAC, Yes. But I would say not the top end. I, I think Dylan Gabriel's awesome. My only reason for being low on him is just, he's a smaller framed quarterback He was not a high pedigree quarterback and the fact that UCF doesn't really produce NFL prospects. Does that, is that possible to change? Yes. But history is telling me that Dylan Gabriel is not going to get the draft capital that a guy like Graham Mertz is going to get. And truthfully, I mean, Graham Mertz, I I was wanting him to be the quarterback last year. I, I talked him up after he won the all American bowl MVP. He looked amazing in that game. And that was against the best high school prospects in the country. So, I my my love of Grant Mertz didn't start Friday right. It started one year ago and this was kind of just an affirmation of what I expected to see once he saw the field
3: for sure yeah and again stay fine like you said it, it was just Illinois that whether he's got a lot more games to put on film before we're super sure about his NFL draft stock but he does have the pedigree he does have a basically a perfect performance already uh, right out of the game so a lot of people are going to be really pumped about him. I think I have him as my quarterback six right now for the 2022 draft, quarterback 17 overall in my NFL prospect rankings for uh, you know two two quarterback leagues, that is. But uh, for, if you're tuning in and you haven't played uh, in Debbie leagues, that's okay. But we're kind of talking about these players about, uh, it's all about how well they're going to do at the next level. Uh, so it is kind of a real NFL analysis, but through a kind of fantasy football lens type discussion here. So, You know, the guys that might have the dual threat ability at the position, at quarterback might uh, be ranked a little bit higher uh, than uh, others uh, might have them for real NFL purposes. So like Justin Fields, for instance, like Matt might think he's perfect, whereas the NFL might not think he's perfect just yet. But NFL's uh, allowed to be
4: wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
3: They're allowed to be wrong. They've been wrong quite a bit. But let's just jump into and we'll kind of break down players and, and how we disagree. In a similar way to that which we just did for Graham Mertz and uh, the Man of the Hour segment. But down as we go through kind of round by round uh, in terms of uh, Debbie drafts, in terms of NFL prospect drafts, uh, we're going to just break it down. Twelve players at a time, uh, find some players that we disagree on and uh, tell each other why we are wrong or right. So kicking it off top of the board in our top 100 for the NFL Prospects Ranking Summit here. Uh, not much a disagreement between the, the three of us when it comes to the top quarterbacks. Uh, it's basically Trevor Lawrence of Clemson, Justin Fields of Ohio State. And our, our system kind of rounds it out. So both of those guys, we almost gave them essentially perfect uh, quarterback rankings. Actually, Matt, you tried to give Fields a better than perfect ranking <laughs> in our system. But those two rounded out at the, at the top. Then there's a little bit of a gap, and, and it goes to Travis Etienne of Clemson, Jamar Chase at four, LSU, obviously he's opted out, can't help his NFL draft stock, but he's probably a, a first half of the first round NFL draft pick next spring. Fifth, we have Rondale Moore of Purdue. Didn't get to see him this past weekend in the first round of Big Ten action, but hopefully we'll get to see him here soon Rashad Bateman put up a quick 100 yards this past week against Michigan he's number six Jalen Waddle, who's going to be out for the season is number seven we'll have, probably have to jump into that but Najee Harris at eight uh, for Alabama of course Chuba Hubbard Oklahoma State at nine Devonte Smith of Alabama at 10 Terrace Marshall of LSU wide receiver uh, at 11, really quickly rising there. Had an, another couple touchdowns this past weekend. And then to round out the first round of of Debbie drafts here, uh, we had Trey Lance at 12. North Dakota State, all those guys are, are 2021 eligible guys we, we, we believe will be drafted next spring. So real quick on the Jalen Waddle thing, I almost pushed him down just a little bit because maybe the last time you guys were on the show, we talked about this a little bit, but he really needed a dominant productive full season to show hey he can anchor this production he's done so through like four games and was already doing things again this past weekend but now he is going to miss the rest of the year and so he has you know a small samples of amazing play from years before and then like a third of a season this year do you guys think that he goes to the nfl draft anyway or Do you think he comes back for one more year and and tries to get, you know, the the huge market share uh, among a bunch of inexperienced young guys?
1: I think he's going to go to the NFL after this year. And if he does stay, like, I don't know if he's going to get that huge market share because that hasn't seemed to be what Alabama is all about. Like they have so much talent. Like I just think about John Mechie the third. And I mean, that dude's already balling out. So even if he goes back, I don't think the the market share would necessarily favor him. I think the type of receiver he is, like the yardage market share, might be there, but the targets and reception, I think, just his style of play, it's not really in his in his skill set. He's more that that big play down the field. He'll get you at 80 yards on one play. But for me, like I hope he goes out because I think if he declares, he's still going to be a first round pick because he has yeah. just shown that he has elite separation skills, and that is something that I mean, we saw Rugs go to the the Raiders first. Wide receiver taken this year because he had that same skill set, and there's just there's always going to be a team that values that and will and will pay up on draft day. So to me, like I'm going to steal steal your thunder here, Matt. But like you (laughs) said, I may not be raising him in my ranks like I was hoping to, but I'm not going to be dropping him. And I feel the same way.
3: Okay, that's fair. So and and really looking at our ranks, none of us knocked him down. Like the lowest rating we had for for Waddle is a 94 out of 100, like uh, implying he's a most likely lock for. Uh, first round draft capital. He is our wide receiver four overall, behind only Jamar Chase, Rondell Moore, Rashad Bateman, and uh, the other guy on his team who is going to be able to uh, help his uh, production profile and is going to be able to uh, just wow us for a few more weeks this year is Devontae Smith. And I actually have Devontae Smith ahead of Jalen Waddle, not because I dislike Waddle, I just believe that. Devontae Smith was already the wide receiver one for the team last year uh, and is again he's already been doing that this year uh, more receptions and now more yards and he's already close to the all-time record for most receiving touchdowns for any wide receiver for Alabama Uh, so I believe he's probably going to break that this year so I have him as my I guess my wide receiver two overall behind only Jamar Chase Uh, so that was we didn't really disagree too much in the first round but as far as nitpicking goes I had him much higher so for you guys why is he more of like your wide receiver five or six uh versus you know where I have him at wide receiver two because for me I think he's going to be a top 15 NFL draft pick Waddle's probably going to go in the first round still but what happens if Devontae Smith goes like a pick 11 or 12 uh for you guys Would that would that change your opinion on him or is he going to stay probably in that wide receiver five six range for you guys I mean of if-
4: Course draft capital is gonna affect it. Um, I would say that I was very close to pushing Jalen Waddle up to my wide receiver two through uh the start of the year prior to his injury. I thought he was I thought his profile this year was more impressive than what Waddle, or than what Smith was doing. I thought Smith was it was tough for me to fully compare him because they're the way they were accumulating yards was almost completely different. Devonta Smith was like, he was going to get 10 plus targets per game, was going to pull in nine receptions per game, was going to end with like 150 yards. And then Jalen Waddle was going to do the same thing on five receptions or on four receptions. And it was that Jalen Waddle had kind of proven a athletic profile and proven a skill set that is very desirable for the NFL. So for me, part of the reason I, I prefer Waddle is, is merely because when I'm looking for receivers with upside in the NFL, getting that true field stretcher, getting the guy that he's not just going to be sitting there doing crossing routes. He's not just going to be sitting there picking up seven to 10 yards. I'm not getting a Jarvis Landry. I'm getting an Odell Beckham, or I should say early years Odell Beckham. That was fun um, and not the one now that's sad.
3: <laughs> fair enough what, what the same is it kind of the same for you stefan or is there anything yeah, different you want to add for to that me,
4: devonta
1: smith devonta smith is an a is a fantastic wide receiver it has less to do about him and more to do with jamar chase Rondale moore rashad bateman and and uh, waddle you know like i think me having him behind those guys is not a, a knock on devonta smith i think he's fantastic i just think those other guys just are also elite players and i could I could see a, a scenario where they end up getting drafted ahead of Devonta Smith just because of some of the intangibles and some of maybe like the, the combine stuff that might take place. But Devonta Smith to me is an absolutely fantastic receiver. If I had him on my Debbie squad, I would be thrilled right
4: now. Yeah. I have him above Chris Olave, so you know I don't hate him.
3: Ooh, okay. So you you do really okay. That's fair enough. That's probably end of this discussion. If you have him above your dude Chris Olave. Uh, that That's some yeah. mad respect right there. But yeah, I mean, we're kind of nitpicking. But for me, it, it reminds me of Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase uh, just last year mm-hmm. on the most prolific offense ever. Like, Justin Jefferson actually had way more receptions, like, like 30 more receptions or something than Jamar Chase. But Jamar Chase was the guy that was averaging almost 22 yards per reception. This year, it was like that. Like, Devontae Smith had, even coming in, into this past weekend, like almost 20 more receptions. Uh, but they had almost... Equal yards. Like, so I understand, like, going for the the field stretching dynamic player there with Waddle. And I think they probably both will be first round picks. I just think Devontae Smith is a well rounded, good at literally everything you want to ask him to do kind of player. And so that's why he, for me, he's my wide receiver too. Uh, even though he hasn't been uh, until recently, but uh, has moved up into that slot. Uh, Another guy we do disagree on, though, just to kind of round out this first round was Trey Lance. And and again, we're probably nitpicking, but I had him with a a grade of uh, 94 for our rankings. It's like basically he is a first round pick for uh, Debbie Drafts in this, if it were like going on right now, our NFL prospect projections to be top 12. And for you guys, It was, uh, I believe it was, uh, he had 89 and 86. So like just outside that range. So for you with Trey Lance, is it just the FCS state of play in the limited resume? Or is there something about him that stands out? I guess, uh, Stefan, with you, do you you just dislike something about his game or are you just apprehensive because of uh, his level of play?
1: Well, I mean, I have him, I'm the low guy on him. I have him, I think 19th overall. So like end of the, and again, this is super flex where, you know, Yeah, wide receiver I mean quarterbacks should be you know they have a lot more value and I've got him at the end of the second round so yeah that's definitely a a lot lower than than you have him it's um, I I tend to be a little bit more cautious with my first uh, couple rounds and I just haven't seen enough from him I think he could be great but just the the limited profile just adds enough skepticism and I see so much just elite talent in some of the other uh, skill position players that we will be talking about that I would rather like I would rather take a Kyle Pitts who you know in a in a position like tight end that's kind of uh, difficult to find an elite guy like I'd rather have Kyle Pitts than Trey Lance because I don't know what Trey Lance is going to be I have a pretty good idea of what Kyle Pitts is going to be so I'm just a little bit hesitant but I still do want him I do have a couple shares of Trey Lance so it's not like I'm anti Trey Lance uh, there's just other guys I like more in fact I have Sam Howell ranked just one spot ahead head in, in quarterback rankings uh, because I feel like while Sam Howell, when we could talk about him for two hours. Like he's yeah. been pretty disappointing this year. But at least I've seen him play and at least I know what he can do against well, I was gonna to say top level <laughs> competition, but he ACC. is in the ACC, so that's probably not not fair. Well, hey, it's uh, it's better I, than I, Central
3: I, Arkansas, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh so I guess yeah, I think you're 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 spot on. It's I, I just haven't seen enough from Trey Lance to feel super confident. And the fact that he played one game and was just okay in it this year, I don't know. I, I, I think it's a cool story. I'm very Curious what will happen yeah. with him. And, and I have no idea what his draft capital will be.
3: Yeah, I, I do believe he will be a first round pick. It will be interesting because a bunch of the guys are rising this year who are building a really nice profile that could pass him up as the expected quarterback three uh, that uh, might get there in my rankings down the stretch. And just because of that uncertainty of him being the consensus quarterback three might move him down my board uh, eventually, just because we didn't get to see more. He had that 28 touchdowns to zero interception season against FCS competition and then went pro after one meh, game this year uh, he really truly is an unprecedented profile of a player because we just you don't see an FCS guy like have one season and then be like oh yeah I'm good enough to go pro like that's <laughs> that just doesn't happen so I'm not saying he can't do it uh, and I'm sure you're not saying he can't do it but yeah there are probably more questions with him than of course Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields who did look near perfect himself this past weekend. But Matt, do you have anything more to add with Trey Lance, or do you want to gush about Fields for a sec?
4: I mean, I can gush about Fields for three hours, but I don't (laughs) want to take up the whole pod. But, I mean, for Lance, I think really the biggest thing in his favor was a level of hype that was coming in as the the best quarterback that you don't know and all those stupid articles that were getting published. (laughs) Um, And I'm sure he he was. He had had an astounding season, but there is a, a, a huge unknown with him it was the it's sort of the same way that it was like with Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz was a very good prospect, but at least with the difference with Carson Wentz was we'd seen him for 3 years and win multiple FCS national championships and be this like very kind of proven dude whereas Lance is a very small profile at a very small school. The only reason that you would take him as a first round pick in Debbie drafts is if you were fairly confident that you were getting him as a top 14 pick in the NFL draft like if he falls to 25 and he's going to be sitting there on as somebody's backup you're kind of angry that you took him in the first first round of your debbie draft at this point so I think that's the the issue I have with him is I don't believe he's locked and loaded as that QB three and I honestly I I could make the exact same case for him falling the same way that I would with like a Jamie Newman
3: yeah and Jamie Newman like he 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 fell off the face of the planet, man. Like, just, just, we could talk about that that torpedo of a situation for a while as well. But yeah, Lance, I, I could see myself moving <laughs> him down my board uh, eventually. But for now, until other people kind of step up and pass him, or I think his draft capital is not going to be that top 14 in the real NFL draft next spring type range, that's just, I, I'm going to keep him where I have him currently. Speaking of guys, I might be moving down my board though, moving on to round two or players ranked. 13 to 24 in the road of his top 100 for this uh, ranking summit. We have Sam Howell of North Carolina, and uh, he may have to move here uh, down pretty soon, depending on how he cleans up things down the stretch. But we'll get into that because I, I want to break down what's been going on with that offense a little bit. And then at 14, we have George Pickens at Georgia. And uh, it's kind of a new look situation there with Stetson Bennett, at quarterback, and they messed up the first week with Dewan Mathis, and it's just, it's been a weird year, like, and uh, Kiaris Jackson has emerged, and so I'm leaving him where he is, he's super young, he's got a breakout, we can talk about him briefly, but at 14, George Pickens, and then, uh, Stefan, you, you, you mentioned Kyle Pitts, i you rarely see a tight end ranked this highly, but he's ranked 15th, Kyle Pitts, tight end, Florida, and we have 16th, Tylan Wallace, of Oklahoma State, Keaton Slovis, Quarterback USC, Amon Ra St. Brown, wide receiver USC at 18. Spencer Rattler at 19, Oklahoma quarterback. Uh, Tank Bigsby, the highest true freshman ranked anywhere on our board here so far. He's ranked 20th running back for Auburn. Right behind him, Seth Williams, wide receiver for Auburn. 22, we got Brees Hall, Iowa State, running back. Tamorian Terry hanging on. He's missed uh, some time here just recently at wide receiver Florida, Florida State at 23. And rounding out round two, Jerry and Ely running back Ole Miss. I think I, I don't want to talk about all guys that we just disagree on, but with Sam Howell, uh, yes, he's not performed at the crazy levels he did as a true freshman. He tossed like 36 touchdowns and just looked like the next coming. Like he was, he was legit. It was awesome. But I think in many ways, they've just decided hey, we actually have this amazing running back tandem in Javante Williams and Michael Carter. We don't actually have to rely on just Sam Howell. Yes, he's made a few weird decisions, and yes, losing to Florida State definitely hurt. But they dominated down down the stretch. I think they, they've they've kind of caught on like halfway through games this season uh, and just made adjustments. And I think that shows that Howell can make adjustments and he can. Change what he's doing to succeed, even when things aren't going perfectly. But I think they really do need to get away from just, "Hey, Sam Howell, you've got a great deep ball. Just chuck it downfield to Diami Brown, and just chuck it downfield to Bo Corrales. just chuck it downfield to Daz Newsom." Like that's gotten them in trouble early on. And so, if they can get away from that, and they can get him back to a more balanced target distribution uh, down the stretch, I think he will still emerge as the quarterback one for twenty twenty two. Uh, but are you guys believing that he'll hold that ranking, or are you guys, uh, you know, moving any, anybody up to pass Sam Howell in your in your quarterback ranks right now for 2022? I'm Safe. not
4: moving anyone yet, but I do yeah. think that there will be competition. I don't think that it'll be a lot. Like I don't think that going into next year, you're going to have Sam Howell as your 101 in Debbie drafts because you know he's going to be the top overall quarterback, and then everyone else. I think that there is a five man race because I don't believe in Dylan Gabriel. But I think there there will be a legitimate five-man race for the QB1 for 2022. And yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm not really willing to pull the trigger yet. I, there have been moments this season where I've had Spencer Rattler is like really close to making that that call to flip him. And then you'll see Spencer Rattler do something incredibly stupid and be like, oh, well, he looks like he's a freshman. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm weighing on Jaden Daniels this year. So I'm really excited to see him come back and see if he brings that running element that we're looking for and see if he's put on some weight in the offseason. Truthfully, if, if Jaden Daniels were 210 pounds, I'd already have him above Sam Howell. It's just a matter of he's maybe 190, so I'm a little bit concerned. But yeah, I mean, for as much as we're ragging on him, he's he's got a 9.6 AYA. He's already got 10 touchdowns, and he's, he's improved his completion percentage slightly yeah. from last year. So he has definitely disappointed. And obviously part of this is just that we all thought Florida's—I mean, that North Carolina was— kind of going to be one of those teams in the ACC at the beginning of the year. And now they're just not. And I think that's hurting him overall.
3: Yeah. And it's like, he's been hurt by his defense even more so than just himself. Uh, putting him in, in situations where he does have to just chuck, him, chuck them back into the game. <laughs> so I, I'm not really sure what's going to happen, but I think that he's going to be in that conversation. I don't think we're going to have a, a similar Lawrence Fields just and then everybody else conversation. There are probably five guys. But for you, Stefan, are, are you ranking how up there? Are you higher on Rattler or Slovis or, or Daniels or any, anything like that? Who, who do you have in that conversation for the quarterback one that might Surpass Howell.
1: Yeah, so I've got Slovis right there, and, I, and and I think Matt hit on it just now when he was talking about Jaden Daniels. I think once the Pac-12 starts playing, we're we're going to see a little bit more because some of the quarterbacks that we're interested, in kind of in this range, are are in the Pac-12. So once they got once they start rolling and we see how they have taken the next step, or or maybe not, we'll be, we'll be getting a clearer picture. But right now, Sam Howell kind of is in that spot for me. But I do have Slovis right there. I, I gave them both uh, an 87, which is you know pretty high. Um, those are, you know, like the, uh, quarterback, um, I think I have them right ahead of, of Trey Lance actually. So that's the quarterback, uh, like three and four for me. So I'm, I'm still high on how I think he'll be able to, to pull it around. And, and I, I, I do agree with what you guys are saying with him. Like he's had a solid year statistically. I do think he's been put in a lot of bad situations because the defense has let them down and because they've relied so much on that really explosive running game. And he has been the victim of a lot of drops and, and maybe they don't all show up on the stat sheet, but watching them play, which I've done. I, I don't think that he's always getting uh, bailed out. So I, I still think he's got a lot of talent, but I agree with you guys that it's not a clear-cut race. It'll be interesting to see what what takes place once USC, Arizona State, and yes, even Oregon start playing again.
3: Yeah, for sure. I think that will change things again here soon. But back to a couple running backs uh, that I have ranked as essentially first-round picks or, or near just outside the first-round pick range for for Debbie drafts, for NFL prospect rankings of, of any draft class. I'm really high on Tank Bigsby. Uh, overall, he's ranked 20th on our board, but I have I give him a 93, which is he's way up there, way, way up there. You guys had him as kind of a middling second or third round kind of grade. Uh, he is a true freshman for Auburn. So I know that uh, with Debbie Leagues, when we add these players to our roster and we're having to wait a few years but I just, I still, with Tank, I just cannot deny what what he's already done this year. It's been incredible. I mean, he's averaging over 160 all purpose yards per game, adding yards on the ground, almost 100 receiving yards, and he's been their primary kick return weapon as well. So just an all around playmaker. He has the feature back size already, he has the, the pro wheels. In high school, he was running four fives. So I don't know what there isn't to like about Tank, but Stefan, before we we started recording, you talked about how it, it really does matter in the way that you rank for these prospect rankings and and value these players for Debbie leagues and, and and projecting and and it matters that we have to wait. So is that why for you, he's not as high just because we have to wait and a lot of things can happen or uh, what is it with you uh, not wanting to rank him? Is there anything that stands out about tank? Yeah, I think
1: that's fair. And, and, and also also, like coming in as a true freshman, I don't really care what, I mean, that's not true. I was gonna say, I don't care what your your prospect rankings are. I, I do of course, but I want to see it on the field and, and yes, he's been extremely impressive and I've actually moved him up quite a bit since the beginning of the year. But like you said, he's a freshman and right now, like I have him right behind like a guy like Jerry and I would just rather have someone that's, you know, a little bit closer to being drafted in the NFL because so much can happen, injuries, other people taking over the spot on the depth chart at Auburn. I mean, who knows what happens? So the, the amount of time between now and bef- when I can use him it does make a difference. Like Young Ho Koo has that sweet tattoo on his left bicep that says Patience. Mm -hmm. I don't really understand that. I'm not a very patient (laughs) guy. I've been like, I'll talk to Matt about like some Debbie draft I'm in. And I'm like, I think I'm going to play for the future. And then inevitably I always play for now. Like I hate waiting. I'm not a patient person. So I want, I'm going to rank people higher who are going to have more immediate impact than people that I have to wait three years on.
3: That's fair. And maybe it's confirmation bias for me too. Like I had him ranked as like my running back one before. And now he like, just, it looks like a slam dunk. So I'm just like, okay. Okay. You know, top like first round pick, sign me up, let's go. Uh, so th- there might be a little of that with with me, but uh, another guy, Brees Hall. I'm interested to get your take uh, on Brees Hall, uh, Matt, because I know you were not very high on him going into the season. I was, I wasn't as high on him either. Uh, but we have him collectively at at 22nd overall. Uh, I have him ranked there right up next to Tank Bigsby in my ranks. Brees Hall is of course running back Iowa State. Tank Bigsby was running back Auburn. But Brees Hall, he's eligible for the 2022 NFL draft, so you do have to wait at least one extra year. He's not going to be drafted next spring. But what what is it for you? Stephon just dropped him five spots. Say what? I said Stephon just dropped him
4: five spots because he heard he isn't eligible this year. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what stands out to you that, I guess, what was concerning to you that had him, even even before this year, ranked pretty low?
4: I would say my ranking of him right now is, is heavily slanted on, before this year and where I had him. And it's I haven't adjusted really yet for how good he's been. The one issue I had with him was he looked a lot like David Montgomery to me. And I was very low on David Montgomery because for as much as you can always say, oh, well, the player didn't have an offensive line. Oh, well, he had to do it all on his own. And some of that's true. When you're averaging 4.8 yards per carry, it's concerning. <laughs> um, I liked him at times because of his workload in the receiving game but it wasn't something that stood out as so amazing that I had to keep him as this high rated back now mind you I was still saying he was probably a third or fourth round back I just wasn't in the camp of saying that this was a can't miss prospect in the in the class of 2022 and I wanted to see a little bit more now beginning of the year I was still kind of seeing that same like yeah he's dominating yeah he's getting 100 yards but I was looking at the defenses going I'm not really impressed by any of these that I need to move him up what just changed him for me and why I'm going to take some time to reevaluate him is Oklahoma state's defense is legit. They have one of the better defenses in the country and he just absolutely torched them for, I believe 185 yards this weekend. And it's, uh, that's, that's the type of performance I'm looking for. And for as much grief as I was willing to give him, he's almost matched his touchdown scoring from last year and he's comfortably over the six yards per carry threshold that I'm typically looking for, he is a player I need to move up. I don't think I'm, he's going to get up to 94, but I would fully expect him to jump up into the middle, mid to late part of my second round right now.
3: Okay, and that's fair. And that's really that's where we have him ranked right now. Uh, I think he could continue to rise though, as as we see him continue to every single week put up hundred plus yards from scrimmage. I mean, his worst game this year, worst game this year is 118 yards from scrimmage (laughs) he had 103 rushing yards three catches and 15 receiving yards and that's his worst game and that that was against Louisiana of all teams that 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 was actually his worst game that was Iowa State's worst game but the past five weeks this year all 100 plus yard efforts just killing it week after week after week if he seriously finishes this year and doesn't have one game under 100 rushing yards I mean I I can't imagine how high he's going to be Uh, for most people after especially after the 2021 guys depart he could be that guy that is the running back one overall that everyone's just drooling over i just i don't feel like we even have that player for 2022 at the running back position so i i hope he develops into that because i was really concerned that the the offensive line for Iowa State was going to be a big issue. But Brees Hall confidently ranking him that highly just because I'm trying to project out and say, look, he's only going to get more expensive for Debbie leagues and he's going to rise because all these really good players are going to the pros and then we're going to look around and be like, huh, I guess Brees is the best running back for 2022. And I think by default, those guys get thrust up really high in everybody's rankings. But I mean...
4: He's definitely a player that if I'm out of it right now, if I don't have a chance in a league and I'm playing for next year, two years down the line where I'm at a minimum, I'm going to buy him because I think his stock is going to rise. And by next year's Debbie draft, he's the type of player that I could flip for an asset that I maybe prefer or who knows, maybe by that point, his stock will just be so good that, yeah, maybe I have 2022's running back one and I got him for an aging veteran.
3: Yeah, and hopefully people are doing that now. Hopefully they did that actually uh, this summer. (laughs) But uh, I don't think we'll be able to get him for even an aging veteran at all or any any kind of cheap deal in Debbie Leagues of any kind uh, for much longer if he keeps this up. But before we get to the later rounds of the Road of His Rankings, already covered round one, already covered round two. uh, Just a word from our sponsors. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. And there are no long term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73%, yes, 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at indeed.com slash Bluewire. This is their best offer available anywhere. So go right now to indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31.
0: What's up, listeners? This is Curtis Patrick. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business, and I know it. As a special thank you, I'm offering 10% off your next Rotoviz subscription. Just use code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. That's right. Go to rotoviz.com, click subscribe, and enter code 2020RVRADIO at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing. If you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now. On Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. It only takes like 10-15 seconds. Just do it. We'd love to hear your feedback. Now, back to the show.
3: All right, so we're back and we've already covered round one, round two, talked about uh, some, some studs that we are super confident are going to be impact players at the next level. Some guys that could be in the quarterback one discussions, running back one discussions. First, uh, let's give a rundown of round three of the Rotoviz rankings here for the NFL prospects Rotoviz Ranking Summit. Kicking off round three, pick twenty-five overall. We've got Garrett Wilson, a couple, a couple of the Ohio State wide receivers. Garrett Wilson, Ohio State, and Chris Olave, Ohio State. Anything, Matt? No, no? Not too low. Okay. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll let you tell us how wrong we are for ranking them low here in a second. But 25 and 26, that's Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. You mentioned Jaden Daniels, Arizona State. He's the quarterback there. We'll get to see more of him here soon. 28, we've got David Bell, wide receiver. Purdue had three touchdowns this past weekend uh, when Rondell Moore was out. 29, we have Jameer Gibbs uh, for Georgia Tech. True freshman. Again, the second highest rated true freshman that we have on our board. And then pick 30, rank 30, we have Chaterius Tutu Atwell, uh, wide receiver Louis, uh, Louisville. 31, we've got Isaiah Spiller, Texas AM. 32, DJ Uyangalele, of Clemson, the quarterback that will be the guy, hopefully, after Trevor Lawrence is gone. 33, we got Kylan Hill, running back Mississippi State, although he might as well be a wide receiver the way that they're playing him. Kenneth Gainwell, number 34, running back Memphis. He's already opted out of the year. Hopefully he adds about 20 pounds of weight (laughs) before the NFL draft. Bryce Young at pick 35, ranked 35, quarterback, Alabama. Got to see a little bit of him this past weekend after Alabama got up uh, by, you know, 30 plus again against uh, Tennessee. And to round out round three, we got Brevin Jordan, tight end Miami. So second second tight end overall uh, makes his debut here on the board. Um, He hasn't been 100% healthy recently, but let's break down some of these names. Uh, First off, I, again, am really high uh, more so than you guys on the young running back, Jameer Gibbs. He didn't have a crazy good game this past weekend. I think people are realizing, hey, they can't do anything through the air. Let's just stop the running game. And I hope it doesn't stay that way for Jameer Gibbs for Georgia Tech because they really have been revolutionizing their offense there. And I think they could have something good. But Gibbs has really wowed out of the gate. Coming into this past weekend, he was averaging over 150 all purpose yards per game. Kind of dropped off a little bit this past weekend, but really his first bad game of his career. Looking like a stud already. For me, he and Tank Bigsby are the one two punch. For the NFL draft in 2023, it's like them, and then a huge teardrop because no one else has done virtually anything at the position that that wows me in the same way that they have. So, am I wrong there, or you guys just don't have him as high be- again because we're having to wait?
4: Kendall Milton has some words for you. Um, hey, I
3: we'll get I, to Kendall Milton. I have him ranked pretty highly as well, but
4: I so I. I like Jameer Gibbs a lot. I think that he is a an incredibly talented player. I believe, again, he was a top 100 overall player. Really good player. My issues with him, his efficiency kind of sucks. And as much as, again, as I want to sit here and just say, well, Georgia Tech's terrible, it, it does kind of at least give me enough question mark to say, 4.5 yards per carry isn't ideal. The things that I allow me to write off some of that stuff, and I say, I say all this, I think I have him as a, a third round pick, maybe an early fourth as a true freshman who is not getting like bell cow work. I, what I do like to see is he's getting a lot of work in the kick returns and he's pretty effective in kick returns. So that to me shows that Georgia Tech wants to do anything in their power to get the ball in his hands. As much as they possibly can during the game. And yeah, I mean, if he keeps doing what he's doing, he'll probably push his way up. I just don't think that the idea that there's a massive tier gap, I think the class of 2023 is incredibly strong. And I think that as we kind of get a little more time and see these players a little bit more, I just think we're going to see some talent. I'm not willing to write off guys like Bijan Robinson uh Seth McGowan and all those other 2023 guys to say that there's a big tier gap I think that 2023 might be a repeat of 2017 in the way that we just it was loaded and everyone's going to be able to find a running back that they like yeah I really hope I said the right year I'm not double checking you're right are right because you've also
1: got guys like Zachary Evans in there Bijan Robinson I think you may have mentioned him though Uh, I did he broke my heart yeah but like like to your point yeah I think there are a lot of other guys as well and with so much time to wait it's hard for me like even like I like Deuce Vaughn like there's so many guys in that neighborhood that it's it's hard for me to to single out which one I like the best I mean we talk about Chris Tyree quite a bit on our podcast too like there's a lot of guys that 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 could pop, and to me, Jameer Gibbs at Georgia Tech, like it's hard for me to put faith in Georgia Tech's offense. I know they're kind of in a in a rebuild uh, starting last year, but I haven't really seen it. I mean, he's been productive to your point, Travis, but it's hard for me to have a whole lot of faith in a Georgia Tech offense. And maybe, you know, with the freshman quarterback there, maybe they will be able to uh, ascend together and maybe we see something special from them. But it, it's hard for me to put a lot of stock in them. That being said, I'm not like super low on Gibbs. I think I'm the lowest of all of us, but I have him in that same range as, as a lot of the these other uh, running backs that we're talking about. But I, I've got like Chris Tyree in him. I have them ranked right around the same, same area, just because I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen. And, uh, I'd, I'd like to think that there's uh, a breakout for one of them, but I don't know who it's going to be yet.
3: Yeah. And I think that's fair. Both, both of the things that you guys kind of dug into there are it, that's, that's fair. Cause I I do really like the 2023 running back class that could be one of those super stacked classes. I mean, we, we thought 2020 was, was stacked. Uh, we thought, you know, 2017 was stacked 2023. It's, it's like, it's every three years or so that, that it could just be that absolutely amazing class top to bottom uh, at potentially every position like it's it's got absolute stud at every single position already and producing uh but yeah there are some guys that haven't really stepped up just yet but jameer gibbs i actually had him low for similar reasons before the season began because i thought you know what this offense is not going to get there uh, he's not going to be a top two three four producing freshman because one i thought jordan mason was going to stay healthy and uh, keep him uh, off the field enough just because they needed to have some continuity on offense. But instead, they were like, no, we're just going to say gung-ho, everything future, put Jeff Sims in. I don't care if he throws eight picks. We're sticking with our guy. Despite it being a, an absolute absolute train wreck on offense, Gibbs has been the only thing moving the ball And he's been impressive, like you mentioned, Stefan, in in the return game already. So they want him to be the driver of their hype train, you know, and just to be the centerpiece of that offense, to be the guy that gets more recruits like him to come to their program. So I think they're going to give him every chance to continue succeeding. And until he isn't a top two, three, four producing running back in this class, I think he's just right up there next to Tank for me. But it could change given the talent that we believe is there with Bijan Robinson, is there with Zachary Evans, is there with with Kendall Milton, is there with several other guys that are already uh, showing that they can be good running backs for that same class. But a couple of quarterbacks, DJ DJ. (laughs) Uyunglele. Yeah, DJ, DJ U. We'll go with that. And Bryce Young, Clemson and Alabama. It's really hard to rank NFL prospects when we haven't really seen them play, right? But at the same time, When Trevor Lawrence came in, when Justin Fields came in, they were ranked really highly anyway. These guys were ranked as basically the highest quarterback recruits ever. We should give them the respect that is due. They're in situations where we know they're going to be Throwing the ball to future first-round NFL draft picks left and right and left and right every single game. So once the guy who is ahead of them is gone, the first game they play, they immediately jump up. I mean, like just—I mean, think about Graham Mertz for Wisconsin. Yes, he actually just already—he actually just tested positive for COVID. He might miss some time, uh, but we're really excited after just one game for him. And uh, and so I think guys with like DJU and Bryce Young that we had even higher hopes for. Like the moment they step on the field and have their first game post Trevor Lawrence, post Mac Jones everyone's going to go berserk. So I don't have a problem ranking them super high. You guys had them ranked a little bit lower, but are you guys believers in them? Just, it's just too much of a projection or what is it? How do you guys approach, I guess, ranking a player who hasn't really hardly even played in college yet?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I feel like I totally understand your question, but having these guys both in the third round when they've never started a game, I think that speaks to the fact that I I have some faith in what they'll become, but I I do find, again, it's that patience issue where, like, if I am on the clock and I see a guy like David Bell there, am I going to pass him up, someone who I know is going to be an elite receiver for someone who I've never seen start a game? And that, that's where I struggle a little bit. But uh, I do think both Bryce Young and DJU are going to be awesome. I've been a little bit frustrated that in these games where Clemson gets out to huge leads, I haven't gotten to see DJ uh, play much. Uh, they had their fourth—they had their fourth-string quarterback who was their punter in against against um, <laughs> against Georgia Tech when they were up yeah. like seventy or whatever. And I was like, I want to see DJ. I want to know what I've got here because, and maybe that's their point. Maybe they're they're trying to not show too much on him yet. But uh, I'd like to see more before I I elevate him to elite status, although I think uh, your evaluation of him is, is spot on.
3: For sure. What about you, Matt? Any more to add to that?
4: I mean I think with both of these guys Bryce Young and DJU I have a similar stance I think that I trust over the past couple of years I've developed a little bit more of a trust in the scouting teams of these sites that rank prospects and it's largely because they continue to get more data about what actually translates to the next level what what starts to bring in what makes them an NFL player what stands out to me really in that front is when they identify someone that is a superstar and a potential can't miss. And there's there's things about like Bryce Young, 24-7 sports, put him above DJU after literally every other ranking process the entire time had DJ as the top prospect. And some sites had him as the top overall player. When they do that, that stands out to me as something like, okay, this is a player that has that superstar potential. He could be the next Russell Wilson because he's a little bit short. He's Uh, mobile QB he's got really good numbers he's the type of guy that could be that next Russell Wilson so yeah I'm gonna put him up there but it is that question of like we're fairly confident Mac Jones is gonna go this year like we think he's gonna go to the NFL draft with what he's doing but what if he doesn't what if he Justin Herberts and says I want to go back and win a national title and beat Ohio State because Ohio State just crushed our soul in the playoff like (laughs) there's (laughs) ouch (laughs) but what if like but what if Mac Jones goes back to school? Is Bryce Young is not surpassing him. So now Bryce Young transfers. Bryce Young sits another year. And it's hard at that point for me to go. Yeah, I'm going to still just instantly take that guy when he's sitting there in the third round for me. And that's the issue I have. DJU, honestly, he is. I think he's special as a high schooler was replacing the incumbent starter at a school that had just won a state championship the day before as a saw so- or the year before as a sophomore. Yeah, I watched QB one and saw him <laughs> there as like The other guy, he looks like a stud and there's a reason why when he was coming out of middle school, the guy had 20 offers. When you have these type of physical tools and you go to a a factory, a football factory, high school, you tend to come out special. And I think he's going to be special, but it's just that case of how much risk are you willing to put into that? Because I mean you do have, you are gonna have to let him sit there for a couple of years and you might get real frustrated when he isn't coming into that garbage time and getting you the the work that you were expecting. But to all that's being said, auction drafts that I had over the summer, my Debbie auctions, I picked up either one or both of these guys because they they went super cheap because they were I don't wanna wait for four years for a quarterback. <laughs>
3: Yeah, and and that's where I think you can't you can get them in auction format specifically for fantasy football. You can get them way cheaper than and just kind of snake drafts where you know you're just going down pick wise. But yeah, DJU, he's essentially to me. It's, it's like imagine if if Cam Newton with a better arm in college played against the the ACC competition. Like what would have happened? You know, like that's. That's the kind of upside that DJ has. DJ Uyunglele. He had seriously in high school had like 18 yards per attempt and and just made kids look stupid. He's going to do the same exact thing uh, in the ACC, I think. So I just don't have a problem. I actually have DJ U as my quarterback 7 overall and Bryce Young as my quarterback 8 overall. Both of them I have over Mac Jones still, uh, despite what Mac Jones is doing because of what I believe their ceiling can be. But I don't want to talk about those quarterbacks, you know, the whole time. But yeah, the upside with them is just unreal. Uh, A couple more running backs, and then I want to get into some really young wide receiver talk. But going down into round four to get to this next uh, tier of player, we've already talked about round one, two, and three. But moving on to round four, we've got Pat Fryermuth of Penn State. He had a pretty good game this past weekend. Elijah Moore catching like almost, like I guess at this, this point, about 10 balls per game still, despite a down week uh, this past last weekend. He's at 38. Sage Surratt of Wake Forest, no longer with Wake Forest, went ahead and uh, declared early for the draft and is pre- prepping for the draft now. Uh, John Mechie, uh, the third, I should add, is is, uh, ranked 40th for Alabama. Absolutely exploding for them right now and and should continue to do so now that Jalen Waddell is out. Eric Gilbert, tight end, LSU. It looks like, to to me, my comp already is prime Greg Olson, uh, but he's like 18 or 19 years old. He's like that good. We can talk about him for a second. Could be the best tight end prospect ever. And then 42, Zamir White, Georgia, running back. Kendall Milton, running back Georgia at forty three. Kyron Williams at forty four, running back Notre Dame. Bijan Robinson, running back Texas. Diami Brown for uh, ranked forty sixth wide receiver North Carolina. Mac Jones, quarterback Alabama at forty seven and forty eight. We've got Seth McGowan, true freshman running back for Oklahoma. So getting down on the board. We're getting, we're seeing more players from future drafts and more positional, I guess, diversity. I found it funny that Zamir White and Kendall Milton, both Georgia running backs right now, Zamir White is actually 2021 eligible. Kendall Milton is a true freshman. They're back to back right here. And I think that's uh, kind of my fault. And I guess Matt, Matt, you've been, we actually had the exact same ranking or rating for Kendall Milton. For you guys, between those two, I know how you have them ranked right now, but do you think that Kendall Milton could kind of push like down the stretch, like if Georgia is pushing to make it into the playoff or something? Do you think Milton could push Zamir White even this season uh, to be you know the primary or one B or one A kind of runner for Georgia down the stretch?
4: I think it's going to be a full on committee by end of year. I do think that Zamir White is. I think he's very good, and I think he'll be a draftable back next year. I think I think he will leave after this year. And for Milton, Milton looks really good. The only question marks that Milton had coming out of high school was he might run a 4-7. There's some questionable athleticism, but that hasn't really shown up so far in his limited usage. My reasoning for pushing him up this high is it's an upside play. I think there's a chance that you're getting the next Nick Chubb with Kendall Milton. I think there's a chance that you're getting a potential star with him. So while I don't necessarily think he's going to be the workhorse by the end of this year, I think the fact that he's getting on the field for meaningful reps, he's not just showing up in the last 10 minutes of games when they're up by 20. The fact that he's getting meaningful reps early is why I pushed him up right away.
3: Yeah. He's been the most efficient back for them I already. I, even one game, he did kind of have more junk time, but he did lead the team in rushing yards. So Stefan, are, are you, you're, you're the lowest of, of the three and not that you're wrong, But what is it? You are wrong, but (laughs) what is it? I feel
1: like I'm missing something here. To me, again, it's the waiting period that's going to push him down. Um, I think Zeus is is really good. I I think that he's going to prove that he – is more than just uh, hand the ball to a running back and see what happens. I'm not like super high on him by any means, but Kendall Milton, I just haven't seen enough of a, of a difference to like really push him up my board. Whereas like other guys I've I pushed up, he's just kind of remained the same. So what I've done with a, a lot of these uh, young running backs is just kind of going into the preseason, I kind of have had them like at a six and then as they have excited me or not, move them up or down. And he's just kind of stayed the same for now. And and I'm happy to move him up if I see something from him But until then, I I just don't know. So um, I'm not down on Kendall Milton. I just haven't seen enough to really uh, to be excited to push him up I think I was looking at the Alabama box score and and he did not look great in that game I don't know what to make of that because Alabama's defense isn't great but <laughs> yeah so anyway
3: that's fair and, and, and if you look at their peaks and what Zamir White could have been when he was healthy I mean he's torn his, his knee up twice now uh, so I think he could have been much much better had he not done that I think just as a recruit Zamir was or Zeus we, we should call him he was he was godlike he just looked ridiculous uh coming out of high school it was like a no-brainer and, and a lot of people picking him way early in their debbie drafts just a couple years ago but to your point stefan a lot can happen like even if they look really good even if we're sure they're gonna hit what happens if they tear their knee up, knee up twice and you you invested a really high pick you know two three years before they were supposed to go in the pro so i think that is a player that proves your point it is riskier to to take these young guys and to get excited about these young guys more so than the more proven commodities on their team. Yeah. And, and, I am
1: a hypocrite though, because I have Seth McGowan ranked pretty high. So <laughs> ignore part of me. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
3: but, we, we just want to talk about that. We'll ignore that and just say that you're, yeah, you are but he is <laughs> the,
1: the difference there is Seth is already the starter for them when he's healthy. So yeah,
3: he, he's looked really good as well. Seth McGowan is creeping up. He's already a top 50 player for us. So I don't think we're, any of us are, are, are down on him and in these programs, I mean, a lot of these guys. We're talking about these programs just crank out the players back to back to back. Georgia running backs all over. O- o- Oklahoma has a bunch of long term, you know, N- NFL hits. Auburn has a bunch of long term NFL hits. And I've actually broken down a couple times. The road of is the the real NFL university for each position. Yeah, it, it is Ohio State, <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, it's it's been Ohio State, it's been a Miami, it's been, but it's funny how many of these schools just keep on sending these awesome pros uh, at all these skilled positions. I I just one more question before we jump into the wide receiver one debate for these true freshmen. Uh, But Gilbert for LSU, the tight end, he looks ridiculous. It's I find myself it's hard to rank him because Kyle Pitts. Seems like he's ascended. He's in his own tier. But Brevin Jordan and Pat Frymuth, like I almost want to just rank Gilbert higher. Like I have him right next to them right now. I think both of those tight ends will be first round picks next year. But I think Gilbert could be like a top five or six pick once he goes into the NFL because of just how ridiculous of a human that he is. You know, already running, you know, 4'7 or below in high school, like 6'5", 260, uh, like when he was 17. Like just unreal athleticism. And then he comes in and immediately produces for LSU, is immediately the starting tight end for them. That's just not normal. Like, tight ends don't come into college And in their true freshman season, and just be like, "Hey guys, I'm already the best player on the team. What's up?" Like that's not normal. Like he's he's already the second leading receiver behind only Terrace Marshall, who's probably going to be a first round pick at wide receiver. Like how do you rank him? I feel like I have to rank him lower than I actually want to because the ceiling is so high. Do you guys get that same feeling with him?
4: I think I initially, when I was going through our list of players, putting numbers on him, I think I initially threw him at like 85, which would have been low end of my second round or back end of my second round. And I I kind of just took it down a little bit and took him down into that 70s range. So I, I mean I, I'm having the same fight as you. Then I think this is one where Stefan is is right on. It's you're gonna have to wait with him because it's a three-year prospect because he's a 2023. And then beyond that, we know that sometimes it takes a little bit of time for for a receiving tight end prospect to really break out because he may not block that much at LSU. He might be really has to be a just kind of a wide receiver in a tight end number. But it's kind of an interesting thing because it for him, it's just a matter of how long are you waiting with him? I'm with you though. I think that he looks special. I think there's a chance that you are drafting the next guy that will be the centerpiece of your team for years upon years. And I think he'll probably be in that early second round Debbie conversation next year, just in the same way that Pitts kind of made that rise. So I don't know. I I can't, I can't tell you how to, how to calm yourself on him because I'm not sure I can either. Yeah. I think I might be just too low on him,
1: (laughs) might might be, might be the case that I just need to adjust my rankings, uh, in complete transparency. I have not watched much LSU football. So, so it could be part of that and maybe I need to uh, go back and, and take a look. But again, the, the 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 long wait does impact the grade, the position. It's it's tough for me to rank a tight end super, super high. I mean, I'm a huge Brevin Jordan fan, and it's it's hard for me to rank him high too. Kyle Pitts just is like so different of a player, and he's NFL ready that it is uh, a little different with him. But yeah, with a, such a young tight end, it's really difficult for me to jump all in right away. Seems like I need to do, do a little bit more homework on him and maybe uh, move him up a little bit.
3: Yeah, it's just, I think just because I... I've really dug in, dug into positionally specific production year by year. and Tight ends, it's just really hard to find productive tight ends in college. They just most schemes don't use tight ends like they will be used in the pros. And Kyle Pitts is the exception there. I think he's he's lined up at X wide receiver. He's he's a slot. He's a, he's an inline tight end. He's he's everywhere. And that's already what Gilbert has been. He's he's been a big slot. He's been an X. He's been an inline receiver. He can already run block. He's he's answering every question that I could ever have, and he's a four games into his college career that's the kind of player that Gilbert is So I'm probably going to be ranking him higher here soon if he does much more at all already 16 catches through just four games uh, as a true freshman tight end. that's just that's just weird like that's not normal like you don't see it we've already kind of covered four rounds of players but I am curious I, w- I won't break down the rest of our top 100 if you want to ch- check out the rest of our top 100 you can do so at rotoviz.com but I do, because three guys that are on our top 100 that we didn't get to just yet, but they look like they could be in the wide receiver one conversation for 2023, all true freshmen that are pro- producing right away. Jackson Smith and Jigba obviously only has really just one incredible catch. He had two catches this past weekend <laughs> in his first action, but I think he's going to be you know the wide receiver three alongside Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave for Ohio State. So I think there's plenty of opportunity that's going to be there for him, but Jordan Addison versus Marvin Mims versus Jackson Smith and Jigba. Jordan Addison, obviously for Pitt, has been blowing everybody out of the water. Water in the production category. Marvin Mims just scored a couple more touchdowns, had over 100 receiving yards this past weekend. Jackson Smith and Jigba had the best catch of all time, according to Matt, most likely this past week. So, uh, where are you guys at with these three? Like, uh, Stefan, you want to kick it off first? Because I think I think we're all on a different guy here.
1: Yeah, M- Mims is my guy. Uh, he's been someone I've talked about. During- during our, our preview discussion for our, for our in our podcast, we talk about like, wh- which player are we watching? And it seems like every time we talk about Oklahoma, I'm, I'm looking at Marvin Mims because I'm waiting for someone to break out um, in that wide receiver room. And, and so far, like I haven't been all that impressed with Rambo, Hazelwood's obviously injured. And Marvin Mims has really been coming through. He's got 19 receptions. He's averaging 17.3 yards per, and he's already got six touchdowns on the year. He is really... Um, doing a lot for that team he is also involved in in punt returns which we we like to see and he has one kick return as well so he's averaging like 18 yards per punt return so he's really in, engaging the offense and and on special teams in a very dynamic way um, and as a freshman and him and Spencer Rattler paired up for a couple of years I think we could see something really special where Marvin Mims ends up being kind of a different type of player than what You know the average wide receiver that we're looking at this deep into a Debbie draft. I mean, he's he's five foot eleven. He's only one hundred and seventy seven pounds, so he's he's a smaller guy. But he's only a freshman, like you said. I'm hoping he can uh, gain a little bit more weight, some gain some muscle, and become more than just a big play guy. But uh, I I think he could be extremely special. So I'm I'm a big Mims fan, and maybe it's one of those things where you got to find a guy that you're planting your flag on. And I just I'm just uh, I'm going down with Mims. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but but I, I think i could choose worse players he he looks really special to me
3: he really does like and it's oklahoma like they've they've been on fire lately at, at finding these wide receivers force feeding them targets and getting them draft capital so as a true freshman He's he's already looking like he's in in a rare form. Like he, he could be a guy that produces, breaks out, and has a thirty percent dom. He's not quite to thirty percent dominator just yet. Uh, like my guy is in this conversation, but man, he's he's gonna get there. I think by the end of the season, I think he's gonna have one of those true freshman breakouts. Has the top two or three production profile for his class right out of the gate. Like from uh, yards per team pass attempt standpoint, from touchdowns per team pass attempt standpoint. Because you already mentioned has a h- half dozen scores and. I think any way you measure it, from any different angle, he's going to have 40th or 50th percentile production profile or adjusted production index as a true freshman, which is insane. So really hard to argue there. Uh, with Marvin Mims, but I think Matt's going to try to anyway. So <laughs> of course he will. <laughs> he will. So Matt, why it's is shade,
4: it's the wrong shade of red?
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: there you go. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's what it is. But Matt, what, why is Stefan wrong?
4: I, I don't, I mean, I I'm high on Mims too. I think Mims is in that conversation. Here's my, my thing. I have been very high on one of the Ohio state receivers that is joining this class. And while Julian Fleming was the top rated wide receiver prospect coming in from last year's high school class from anyone I got I was very high on Jackson Smith and Jigba and the big reason for that was I went to his high school numbers and they're absurd he was uh he had three straight years over a thousand yards receiving including two years over 1800 in the final two years he was in college he had over 20 touchdowns each of those years not including his rushing touchdown work and then What he did to the Texas State playoffs last year was just unfair. He was averaging like four touchdowns per game. I know he had one game where he had six touchdowns. It was not fair what he was doing to these uh, other high school kids because he was essentially a grown man just dominating them. And so, yes, he had two receptions for five yards in his debut. He's playing on a team that is loaded with top 100 high school recruits that came in and guys that are not expected to sit ever – And he was a five-star player that got on the field right away. It does seem like if Chris Olave is injured, if he does miss any time due to a concussion, Smith and Jigba is going to be the guy that gets on the field. And to be quite honest, he scored a ridiculous touchdown. It was a catch that was so ridiculous that the announcers and the ref that was two feet away both immediately said, nope, not a catch, not even possible. And then they went to replay and he looked and his foot was just like, oh yeah, not even a question. That's a touchdown. So I just think he's a really talented player. I think this is maybe a little, I got a little bit of confirmation bias over the weekend, but truthfully, the fact that he is on the field right away in this Ohio State wide receiver room, I mean, it's it's up there with the best wide receiver rooms in the country. If you aren't going to call it the best one, it's one or two. So I, and I mean, I think that's part of it. And I really like Jordan Addison. My, I, I'll, I'll have a anti argument to him. But with all this being said, I like all of these receivers. I'm in on Marvin Mims. I'm really annoyed by the fact that he got out snapped by Drake Stoops yesterday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand yeah. why Oklahoma doesn't see him as their next C.D. Lamb quite yet. So
3: yeah. Yeah, Marvin Mims, true freshman, uh, just killing it. Uh, and Jackson Smith and Jigma, obviously, just killing it with two catches and five yards, just <laughs> going going berserk. He is just, yeah, he is going to be a high producer, especially as, after uh, the greatest wide receiver of all time leaves for the NFL <laughs> and, and Chris Olave. But uh, I, I'm excited to see what his future could look like. But Jordan Addison for Pitt is my guy out of this this bunch. And I'm probably still too low on him. I mean, out of, out of the gate, he already has 41 catches, 40, 484 yards, and adds some rushing yards as well. So he actually already has over 500 yards from scrimmage as a true freshman wide receiver. His dominator rating uh, is almost right at 30%. So he's basically accounting for almost exactly 30% of his teams receiving offense in his first year. Uh, so just really impressive out of the gate. He's not been the most uh, efficient, but that's mainly because Pitt, Pitt is just not the most efficient uh, through the air. That's just not uh, their their strong suit. Uh, and really what they're asking him to do, it's not like he's uh, Chris Olave, and his, his, his average depth of target is not like 9, 10, 11, 12 yards downfield. That's not how they're u- utilizing him right now. It's on a, a lot of quick stuff underneath. So his, his dot is probably three, four yards, something like that, really, really low. But he's taken a bunch of these low average depth targets and adding some after the fact. And it has shown uh, on a couple plays already that he does have game-breaking speed also. But a guy that was, he was either going to be a safety or a wide receiver. But the coaching staff obviously was just, they were just like, hey, you're... <laughs> Sorry, you're the best playmaker we have on, on our team. You, you have to play wide receiver. And man, that, that's that's turned out to be a great thing. So, it, And it's not like he wasn't a high pedigree guy either. It's just he kind of got forgotten because he was that athlete designation, because he could play either way. We I think a lot of people were apprehensive to rank him super high for uh, freshman ranks this year because we didn't even know if he was going to be an offense. Because, like, I remember Darian Kendrick for Clemson. Like, everyone ranked him highly, and then he now he's a, a cornerback. And so, it, had that happened, it'd be a completely different conversation. But because he's already dominating at a high level, uh, I can't do anything but rank him first overall until somebody else gets within 150 yards from scrimmage, <laughs> at least in his class. But. I'm just impressed, but what's your anti-argument, Matt, for Jordan Addison?
4: It's pretty much Murray's for, for French. Um, I for, for French. I, they've had, quite, yeah, <laughs> they've had, they've had a bunch of guys that have been productive receivers at, under Pat Narduzzi at, at Pitt. My question is just, will they have an offense that is ever good enough for them to earn draft capital? Because as much as I think that Jordan Addison is a superstar and might turn out to be great. If he's going to make a a rise in in draft capital in NFL draft perception of what he is, it's going to be the the DJ Moore type of profile. So he's gonna have to be that well over 30% of market share. He's gonna have to be pushing that like forty to fifty percent like DJ Moore did at Maryland. Otherwise you're gonna be looking at a guy that is in that class draft wise. I, I think you're gonna be looking at a guy that is probably the fourth or fifth guy taken. And that's where I don't have those same concerns about Smith and Chigba coming out of a an elite program who is going to have kind of everything working in his favor. And that's that's kind of the Is I'm going to be t- taking a guy that I think is very likely to have no issues getting a spot on a depth chart in an NFL roster, whereas I do have a little bit of more concern about whether or not Addison's going to be able to do that. Now, with that being said, I'm too low on Addison. I do need to push him up a little bit because he has been so productive and freshman wide receivers that are this productive don't really whiff, but he's in a weird spot where he's going to have to be special. And that level of special is going to be, it's going to have to be sustained special. And I think he can do it. I hope he can do it, but I think he's a bigger risk than some of the other guys.
3: And that's fair. He's not like a top five wide receiver recruit coming into this. And Marvin Mims, I think was even ranked higher than him but but yeah i I just think what he's doing already production wise what we like at is a bunch of adjusted production metrics and production at an early age and he's doing it as early as you possibly can so i cannot deny what he's already done but stefan before we wrap up the show any more words from you on jackson smith and Jigba or jordan addison and or any other you know true freshman wide receiver that you would kind of put in that conversation.
1: No, I, I totally agree with what y'all are saying. And um I get what you're saying as well, Matt, just given like Pitt. But don't forget about Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, he went like, what, top five? Different uh, so coach. They, you, I know, but they have, the, but you don't have to be in an elite offense to get the draft capital, although it does, of course, help. I mean, the other guy that I, I've looked at a little bit here, I mean, another guy on Ohio State, Julian Fleming, it'll be interesting to see what what he does as, as he gets uh, more integrated into the offense but yeah i i'm I'm super curious it's going to be such a fun class and again like seeing some of these uh young wide receivers paired up with uh really interesting dynamic quarterbacks like um I know Justin fields is leaving this year but they've got two just outstanding freshmen just waiting in the wings so it'll be exciting to see what happens there but even I why am i forgetting his name uh Jarrett rakeem Jarrett rakeem Maryland Jarrett. I mean I think he could have a similar path, maybe less productive path than Addison, but a, a guy who has just got all the skill in the world, all the talent. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see if the production can get there with uh, a sub quarterback play as, I mean, we saw that this weekend. It was just yeah. horrific, but a talented guy that I, I'd be excited to see break out, but I don't know if it's actually going to happen.
4: I will say the one other name that we haven't mentioned yet, that was a lot of people's wide receiver one entering this year was Damon Demas at Texas a and I find it very funny that Jackson Smith and Jigba has a reception before him, even though Texas A&M started uh, weeks ago. So I'm trolling their fans, but I think he's a talented player. He was the most freak athlete of the class and he will eventually get onto the field and he will eventually be very good. I just, I'm a little lower on him than most because he was super raw as a actual receiver prospect and i do think he's going to take a little bit more time to develop
3: yeah but good names to know and good names to note as we continue throughout this uh college football season but man this has been fun like this this whole ranking summit thing just kind of going through the ranks uh, round by round and uh disagreeing some but i think uh we are kind of growing in in the same direction i guess uh, but we use differing approaches and so it's good to hear how you guys uh build your ranks and i hope listeners Hopefully you enjoyed learning about some of these players that are coming up in college football that are going to be in the NFL here soon. Uh, If you have any questions on any of these guys, feel free to reach out to any of us on Twitter. I'm at FF underscore Travis M. You can find Stefan at Stefan Laco or is it Laco? I always mess that up at Stefan Laco on Twitter and Matt Wispay at Wispy the kid. But uh, thanks again, you guys for joining me. Uh, Is there anything else you guys want to kind of plug before we sign off here?
1: Yeah. I'm super excited to do this next year when we can talk about Ty Thompson, Troy Franklin and, <laughs> yeah. and DJ R, uh, all the Oregon boys. We've got such a, such a hot recruiting class. I'm so excited for the future. Yeah, man. No, I uh, no. it's, it's been fun. It's been fun chatting. Ah, uh, you can catch Matt and I on the uh, Rotoviz College Football Fantasy Podcast that comes out um, on uh, on Thursdays and Fridays, depending on where you get it. But uh, right. yeah, it's been it's been a good
3: time. Yeah, man. And Matt, yeah, I've been loving your uh, Devi previews. Uh, you gonna keep doing that every single week for the uh, Rotoviz uh, Devi rotation?
4: Yeah, that's my. I will have a weekly article where I run down some of the better games in college football and some of the players that you should be keeping an eye on. I mean, I, I always will go back and highlight some of the better performances that we saw from the previous week. So. It's a it's a good opportunity to identify some of the spots that you should be watching. And I I do throw one little bet on the end of every every article that hopefully can make money, although it's been a a rough couple of weeks.
3: (laughs) Yeah, you started off hot, though, so you, You you got something right. But, uh, but anyway, I appreciate you guys hopping on. This was a blast to do this ranking summit. I think we'll probably do this again. I think Curtis Patrick, uh, former co-host of mine on the Dynasty Command Center show, uh, he'll be joining us and his debut ranks will be added to the fold as well uh, after the Pac-12 uh, gets done with their first couple weeks. He's going to be retooling his ranks with us. So we'll definitely have something like this again, probably in January or so. But please do, uh, like, like I always mention, please do rate and review the show. Uh, you can tell us how great we are or terrible how. Uh, we are but I'd, I'd prefer just the good reviews but uh, as always thanks for listening and i hope you guys are enjoying more and more power five college football being back in the nfl but uh, i look forward to you all joining me soon for many more episodes of the college at Kenton podcast Football is back in full swing and you might not be at a game this year but you can still be in on the action at bet online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start wagering on wins, division and championship futures all day, every day. So head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great signup bonuses. And don't forget to use promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Nobody builds 5G
2: like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.